Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Well, goodness, we are uh, starting a new series today, and uh, we're a church that sort of, I like, to, I like to break it out in series. We like to, to, you know, have a good bookend on one part and a good book opening. So if you think of it from now onward, we're, we're opening up a book together, uh, starting today and ending on Easter. Sound good? Uh, about an eight-week series all about considering Jesus. And I told you uh, one thing I, I learned really early on in marriage. We are about to celebrate uh, in two months now 11 years of marriage, which is pretty exciting. Uh, I know I look really young. I got married really young. You should see those photos. Um, sometimes I'm like, that little boy got married to her? Wow. But anyways, uh, I, I learned really early on how selfish my heart was. Anyone else really learned that really quickly when you got married, how selfish your heart was? Um, yeah, or just in general. <laughs> uh, anytime you, you have an, uh, an engagement of, of any type, whether you're just engaging in a conversation or a friendship, like, you're, we're just selfish. And one thing I learned was this phrase, I coined it, consider Kate. I'm going to consider Kate in everything I do. When I go to the, the store, I'm going to consider Kate because I know what she likes and I know what she doesn't like. And what if I just brought home something that I knew she liked? I'm going to consider her. And all my, uh, see, some of you single people are like, I just want, like, I want someone. But listen, you don't have to consider anyone but you and Jesus right now. And that's pretty nice. Like, I, I can't do anything without considering Kate, which is a good thing, but it's also an added thing that we must think of. Right? And so I grew to, to realize I cannot make a decision without considering Kate. And then, you know, really quickly, Jack and Trey were a part of it. And then uh, after that, uh, you know, Autumn and, and now Kent. And so I can't do it without considering the people who are tied with me. This whole series is really like as we grow to know Jesus, we need to consider him in all things that he is one with us, that I cannot make a decision anymore apart from the consideration of what Jesus will think about it, what he will feel about it, what he's saying about it, what he is doing in it, uh, his awareness of it. Often, like, we miss and forego the number one variable in anything. He, him, Jesus, that he is in all and through all, that all things are held together by him, right, and for him. And with that in mind, like often I just, I get anxious and I spiral in thoughts and it's because I have that missing variable over here on the side. Instead of saying, okay, Jesus, where are you at in this? I'm going to consider you, your presence, your Holy Spirit in this. And so there's a moment where, so we're going to take from today onward a, an eight-week journey of looking through the Gospels. If you know anyone who's really, who really struggles with belief in who God is, Jesus could have been a good guy, but was he really God? Invite him, invite him her, into this. Because we're going to be diving in chronologically who Jesus was. Uh, so that when we are in an, an interaction that's similar to this, we can consider him. Because we know these stories. They're in us. We know how he handled the situation. And so we're starting in a second uh, in, in Matthew chapter 4, all right, early on, all right? This is the moment when Jesus was tempted in the desert. If you know anything about the story of Jesus, he was baptized by his cousin in the waters of the Jordan. You remember that time when we talked about the waters of Jordan, like, you know, not too long ago, and then some of you left, like, some, uh, some stones in, under the Jordan River? Do you remember that? So some cool things happened. I'm going to bring us into the same place that Jesus was in. 
You ready? Some cool things happened in the Jordan River. Jesus was baptized. It says the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. And then the Father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Like, great things happened. And then, right after the Jordan incident, the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. You will read in a second. There was an intentionality with the wilderness journey to be tempted. Whereas, like, the people of God went from the wilderness to the Jordan. Jesus is is showing, no, I go from the Jordan into the wilderness. And that's just uh, how it's going to be. For 40 days and 40 nights, he was there. Uh, Ash Wednesday starts on Wednesday. Did you know that? Some of you who don't know these things, it's okay. Uh, But historically speaking, it begins a 40-day journey to Easter. So we literally get to sit in this idea of God did something great last month. He's doing a great work. And now for 40 days, I just want to, I want to lean in. I want to hear him. I want to consider him. And so we get to sit on this today and and teach from this point. But right afterwards is when his ministry began. Like he's about to do water to wine right after he gets out of, the, out, of, out of this place is the first miracle, turning water to wine. And it's beautiful. But here we are before his earthly ministry ever began, he was in this. And I, to bring it back to this consider piece, Hebrews 12 says, consider him who endured such hostility from sinners so that we will not uh, suffer. We will not be heartache. We will not have a heartbreak that, that quite literally when we are in suffering, we can remember that he did it. He endured a lot more. And he, he was enduring. And Hebrews even says this today to put it back on this little temptation piece. Uh, chapter 4, verse 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us, but in, instead, when we are in weakness, we can consider him. Because in every respect, he was tempted. And we're about to read of it. We can consider him when we are in the desert places and the hardships, Because he was tempted as we are yet without sin. And so then let us with confidence approach the throne of grace so that we can receive help. This is what I'm praying for. For the next 40 days, if you journey, make a commitment. Let's be here in this. Let's for the next 40 days approach the throne of grace with confidence. With confidence saying, I'm going to see what you're doing. I want to hear what you're, I'm going to experience what you're doing. I'm going to consider what you are doing. And it's, it's going to be more than even I can fathom because my brain doesn't, doesn't go there. But God, confidently, I will approach your throne when I'm in need. And I will overcome temptations by the name of Jesus. I, things will fall down that used to plague me. And I'm, I'm praying for that. Does that sound good? God's setting this up well for you for the next 40 days? All right. I, I'm excited. So then I'm going to narrow the focus for today. Okay, because consider him. We got a lot of temptations. We're getting into that. But I'm going to narrow the focus a bit. There's a cool proverb, Proverbs 16, 9, that says this, the heart of a man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. All right? Uh, we just said, if you want my heart, you got it. Like, oh, 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 you can have my heart. Oh, 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 you can have my heart, right? We, we, we sing that. What I love about this is it's not bad that my heart makes plans. It isn't. The beauty is God has given me the ability to make a plan, and then he's given me the ability to have a heart that submits and says, show me the steps to make this plan happen. All right, so I'm going to narrow the focus because what I want you to see, I want you to think about temptations 
like a plan. Okay? Quite literally, every one of you sin, and you don't just say, oh, I sinned. You planned it. Right? It was planned. You don't just say, it happened. Okay. You can speak that, but there was a plan. Right? There was a plan. Even if the plan became like a millisecond because it's a habit, it started like a plan. You woke up that day knowing how you were going to walk your day. You knew it. So it's a plan. So I'm going to narrow this focus. When I speak about temptations and Jesus being led, there's the Lord's plan. There's going to be the enemy's plan. There's going to be our heart's plan, our redeemed heart's plan. And then there's going to be the imposed plan of the enemy, the world, and our flesh. Okay, so there's a lot going on in this. There's a lot going on, but we are going to believe that a man's, and so I have this, if, you just, if you're taking notes, not every plan that is heard in my mind extends from my heart. And that's what I need, like, you sinned because you had a plan. But I think, can I just give you freedom in something? If you've been a new creation in Christ, then not every plan that goes on in your mind is from your redeemed heart. Do we all agree with that? Do you, do you hear that? Sometimes you're like, where did that thought come from? Where did this, this idea come from? I don't want to hurt people. Why did that? I, went, I remember, please, y'all are going to think I'm crazy. I remember when I was in high school, and one time I was like, it'd be really cool if I just did something with this pen, just like right now. And you ever, ever had like a crazy thought like that? And you're like, whoa, I don't want to do that with that pen. Like, I'm just, you know, like, I just want to see that. How, how, how hard do I have to thrust it into someone's skin? You know, that kind of thing. And I'm like, whoa, that's not my thoughts. What is that? Just Pastor Greg being real, right? Do you ever have these thoughts and you're like, where did that thought come from? Not every plan that comes to your mind is from your heart. And I think we need to understand this. We do. The enemy makes plans for us and we attach them onto, our, onto ourselves. He makes plans for us and we say, okay, okay. But the interesting thing where the heart of a man who is after the Lord, the, the steps direct him further to the Lord, the opposite is true as well. The plans of the enemy, the world of the flesh will always step away from the Father. It will. It will always step us away from the Father. It will. Time and time in, the imaginations, the explanations, the plans from the enemy. It's really interesting, though. I wrote this down, and I, I just want to make sure... Temptations are plans that are lined out by the enemy, but they did not originate in my soul. Instead, they were brought in, and then, hear this, my desires, my fears, my wants, my concerns, my insecurities grabbed them. Do I need to say this again? Temptation is a plan made by the enemy that is only attached to you because your doubt grabs it. Your fears grab it. Your insecurities grab it. It was not your redeemed heart that says run or hide when you came into the room. It is the enemy speaking hide. Your insecurities say, that's a good idea. And then you do it, right? Like that, that's what happens. It is not, it is your desires that say that is beautiful. The enemy say, you could have that. I will take it. Right? It, it is not always us and our hearts that make the plan, but we can make good plans. There's a freedom in that. 
The Lord says, I want them to dream and desire. I want them to. But let me make the steps. Let me determine the steps. Because a plan that doesn't originate from a redeemed heart will always lead you away from me, the Father says. Away from me. It's interesting. James writes that the desire births sin. But the desire heard the plan and said, I could take that. I could have that. No one will hurt. It's not hurting anyone. It's not hurting anyone. No one will know. And then thus forth, sin is birthed. And so today, if we're going to consider him week one, it's going to be this. I want to consider him in the plan. Does that sound good? We're going to consider him in the plan. That every day, you're going to have a plan formulated in your mind. And I've really caught myself doing this this week. Like, I'm a planner. Anyone else a planner? You don't like that word? You're like, I'm not a planner. Anyone else just an overthinker? Is that better? Uh, Overthinkers in the room. Yeah, we're not planners, right? I don't do that, but I overthink. Anyone like uh, overimagine things and you just formulate scenarios? You're not planning, but you're imagining all these things. Okay, well, we're going to begin to learn how to consider Jesus in the imagination. All right? Let's start considering Jesus in the explanation. Let's consider Jesus in the thought process. Let's consider Jesus when the plans are being formed. Because quickly we'll discover, ooh, that's not a plan I want. Or that is a plan, and I need to walk it. So both can happen, and both will happen. And so, open up to Matthew chapter 4. Did I I prep you for this? Are you ready? I'm, I'm excited. I'm ready. Here we go. Matthew chapter 4, let me explain, remind you of the setting. He just was baptized. The Holy Spirit just fell. Good things just happened. And uh, one commentary, and I really liked this, one commentary talked about how the, the, there was a richness of kindness that was bestowed onto Jesus in this moment, pleasure, the, the Father's pleased by him, uh, God's grace was very evident, the Holy Spirit fell like a dove, all of these things. And one said, the grace, power, and kindness of the Lord look like, to the enemy, like riches to exploit. And it's really, I really liked that. That when God does something good in your life, don't just think that that's something that will make the enemy flee. It won't until you use it. The good thing that God did in your life yesterday, unless you walk in authority in it, will be like good riches for the enemy to exploit. You did something, and he wants to exploit it. You did something, he wants to be a pirate. Like, he wants to take those riches and pirate them. And so, in comes, just like that, in comes the enemy. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And so there he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. Now, I just want to pause. Like, this is for those of you who think, like, there, we some, the wilderness and tempting is not beneath us. And sometimes we think we're, we're a bit above these, these gradual sins. So as I get into this, really ask the Lord, how is this applying to my life? Where are these three temptations? Because you know there's three temptations we're about to dive into. Can I just speak over you? You are not above being tempted. You are not above being consumed by a sin and an addiction. You are not above giving into the thing that you think you will never do. You're not above it. You aren't. And so these three things are going to be powerful only if you say, Jesus, let me consider you in them. Like, let me hear what you're teaching in this. And it's interesting, a fun fact about the word tempting that I liked. This is cool. 
This is a, this is a little you know, nerdy thing. This is an aside for you. P- pocket this and use it against the enemy, okay? So the word tempt means uh, to try, to test the character of, to try to trip up. But it's really cool. The word tempt also means in the Greek to attempt to do something implying that it will never happen. So literally, he is named the tempter, which has this double entendre saying he will try to tempt, but will never succeed at it. And I'm just like, ooh, that's a double-handed word for you. Like, God named him the tempter, implying that he's not going to succeed. That's good, right? That's good. Like, I just, I'm like, ooh, that gave me chills when I read that. Like, literally, the, the word itself means trying to do something, implying that one will not ex- succeed at the endeavor. Like, so when the tempter comes, he may have temporary success in our past, but he's not going to succeed in this endeavor long term. He won't. I'm already claiming today the tempter will not succeed. You can literally speak that. Some of you are like, the enemy has so much power. No, his name literally implies he will fail at the endeavor. Like, <laughs> I love it. Okay, you don't think it's cool. It's okay. We're going to keep going. <laughs> verse 3. Verse 3 says, the tempter, the one who's going to fail at the endeavor, you know, cool. He came in and he said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, command these stones. Remember, Jesus is hungry, famished, we just read. Command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered him, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, I love this. Um, when I read this a long time ago, I'd always think of it like a, uh, like a snarly way, like a sassy way. If you are who you say you are, then prove it. But I, a different tone came to my thought, like in my heart when I read this. Because many theologians actually think that the enemy didn't show his true colors until the last temptation. And we'll get into this. That at the beginning, he just appeared like an angel of hope, light, offering guidance and kindness. And so, Jesus, you're the son of the highest king. Command this stone to be rock and you'll be fed. Like, it didn't come like, if you are who you say, you know. No, it came like, you are. If you are the son of God, do this for yourself. Feed yourself. Take care of yourself. It's really interesting. He wants him to change reality for his pleasure. And I love this. If you want to know something cool about uh, God, God is the only one who can change reality for the pleasure of the Lord. The enemy cannot change reality. He can only twist the view of it. And so like, he's like, change reality, change it. He tries to twist the value of something, taint the image of it. That's what, that's what Jesus can do. But only mankind can be reality changers with the Lord. We are the ones who can speak and the, and the dead can rise, can speak. And the, like the, the sick can be healed. Reality can change at the voice of the Lord and the authority of his people. The enemy knows I don't have that kind of authority. So I can just twist the value of something. Let this stone be bread and you'll be fed. Why don't you do it? You can do it. But what is the doubt? I just want to think like, what is the doubt in this? The doubt that he's trying to attach. I don't know about you, but when we are fasting, sometimes anyone else believe like your, your belief in the provision of the Lord really gets questioned. 
when you're fasting? Is he strong enough to feed me? The doubt was, I mean, think of it like much like the garden with the first humans, has the father held good things from you? Like, are you hungry? Feed yourself. You don't, like, if you're a son, then shouldn't you get what you want? If you're the son of God, shouldn't you be able to sustain, don't you deserve to be kept, to be well-pleased, don't you? See, some of you have really believed, I, God, I thought I was your son. Why aren't you doing this for me? And the lie sets in, if you were truly a son of God, then he would care about that, and he would do it. But since he's not doing it, you being a son, why don't you do it? Why don't you do it? Why don't you do it? And so a girl that is not yours, you will take like bread. An image like that's not yours, you will take like bread. The enemy can't change reality, but he'll twist the value of something so that you can change reality. In this, ooh, right? That job will become like bread. God, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you providing in this way? I guess I just need to do this. And then that thing becomes like bread for us. The doubt sets in. And so I love this, though. Every one of these things we're going to ask, right, the plan. How do we know that the plan is not from our hearts? That's going to be the question we ask with each of these. So this one, this, this stone to, to bread thing. How do we know that the, the plan is not from our renewed hearts, that it's someone else's plan? It's this. The Lord will never have us twist the use of something to benefit, provide, or satisfy us alone. Now, I, I, us alone is huge. The Lord will never ask you to build something for you. He won't. The Lord will never ask you to build your kingdom. He will never ask you to provide for your family alone. If your focus is just on that, that is a plan that has an ending and it's a, not a good one. He always will ask, how does the kingdom benefit from this? That plan, if it is to provide, satisfy, sanctify, benefit, help, succeed, heal you alone, it's not a plan coming from your redeemed heart. It is a plan spoken by the enemy attached with your desire, your need, your fear, your doubt. Does that make sense? The Lord will never say, use this for your benefit. He will always say, use this multiply it, right? These fish and loaves, how dare the disciples? If they were to say, this little boy gave it to me, let's eat. But let's use it for the benefit of others. That's a plan from the Lord. That's a plan from the Lord. Let me use this to be multiplied for the sake of your kingdom. Let me use this. It's interesting though, uh, he oversteps the provision of the Lord. The enemy does. He calls for us to create outside of God's will. That's what this lie is. Like he calls us to create, to, to, to grab, to grasp. God led me here, Jesus said, so he will lead me through it. I'm not fed by the bread. I'm fed by the word of the Lord. Like I will, I am, I'm not fed and I love this. Like what will this thing, another way to ask it is, will this thing bring me into a further dependence on the Lord or like an independence in myself? Because if this stone could feed me, 
then I don't need the Lord. But if the word of the Lord is what feeds me, then I need him to speak. Is this thing that I'm planning going to fuel my independence or will it fuel my dependence on the Lord? Because if it fuels the dependence and it's a plan from a redeemed heart, if it's independent, say, away from me, Satan. I will not do that. I will not think like that. I will not go there. Another way that I thought of it, I, I, like, I will not do it because I want it, because I think I deserve it, because I'm bored or I'm angry. No, that's not. I'm lonely. I'm not going to go there. I must not make, and I wrote this, underlined it, I must not make stones my food. Stones my, are not my food. It will not be my, my, by my might. It will not be by my timing. It will not be by my strength or my hand or my desire. I will not make stones my food. Some of you need to write that down. You do. And now I'm going to quote um, a, a great like theologian, Donkey from Shrek. Um, yes. Yes, I told my wife that I was going to be quoting Shrek today, and she said, you know I hate that movie. And I said, you know I love that movie. It's our, it are, is our number one marital discord. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love Shrek. And so Donkey says, you know, Fiona's this nasty thing back there. And Donkey says, you know, you know, Shrek, you are what you eat. You are what you eat. You are what you eat. And I love this because, like, you want to know why your heart is hardened? Because you are what you eat. You want to know why the Lord is speaking and you can't hear him? Because you're eating stones. You are. You're eating stones, and so you're becoming what you're eating. And so, no, I need the word of God. You're like, why can't I get over this insecurity? Why can't I? Because your insecurities are leading you to eat stones. You are what you eat. See, Kate, it was a good one, right? Yeah, she, she agrees. She was good. Or Jesus quotes, like, he, I love it. The word of, by his mouth, I'm fed. By the word of the Lord, I am fed. And I need him to speak, not by another source. And so in each of these, when I am sinning and when I am planning, I need the truth that I must consider is that the Father provides. The truth that I must consider is that Jesus made a way for the Father to provide for me, and I will wait. He provides. He led me into this desert to not eat. Why would I want to eat then? If he led me into this desert to eat, then I will trust that he will provide me through it. The truth to consider, when those stones look nice, the Father provides me, and he will provide me with meat to eat. He will provide me with his word that brings life and healing. So that's temptation number one, verse five happens, though. It says, then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, the synagogue in Jerusalem, saying to him, if you are the son of God, again, I don't think it's this taunting thing. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and on their hands, they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. He quoted scripture and Jesus said to him again, it is written, do not put the Lord, your God to the test. Now this is a temptation that for years I've just zoomed past because I'm like, I don't get it. Uh, Why would I jump off? I'm uh, why would I jump off like that is stupid like one cool his angels could but why but if you actually get into this the enemy is painting a picture for Jesus he is 
Do you know the Old Testament prophecies talk about the messenger of the Lord descending and the people would see him coming from the heavens and the temple? Quite literally, look at the Jews in the holy city. You could, in one action, ascend and they'd admire you. They'd believe you. Quite literally, for three years, you are going to be hated by the people you came. They're not going to believe in you. They're going to taunt you. They're going to kill you. But right now, you could fulfill a prophecy, Jesus. You could jump off. The angels will help you descend, and everyone will know you are the Son of God. And I, why this is so powerful is because what is happening right now is he's misusing the word of God to overstep the protection of the Lord and misusing the word of God to make Jesus' life easier. He misuses it. And I, what is interesting is like it's possible to have like a head full of the notions of scripture and still misuse it for our own recognition, our own power, our own, uh, like I, some of you need, it would be a misuse of the notions of scripture for Jesus to say, okay, and to jump off because it would be for his own recognition, his own admonishment, his own admiring. It would be for his way, his way to be easy. We have to realize that this temptation comes at us more than we think. Like, listen, uh, what is the lure? You can have it all, Jesus. You can have your people admire you in this moment. You can, one, show yourself as God. Two, uh, we can overstep that, that sorrow, that suffering that you don't have to do anymore. Like, you can actually do it. But listen, like, we are protected by the perfect will of the Father. And when we step outside of that will, we are left vulnerable. Jesus knew something very powerful. Um, the plan of the Father was this, that the Father would give his son to die. Jesus knew, yeah, Malachi might say that, but greater than that is where I would come as a suffering servant, and I would know sorrow and pain. Like, this is the easy way but the will of the Father is the perfect way, and it will always come with suffering. It will always come with sorrow, because in the sorrow, he addresses it time and time again. And I love this. In the sorrow, I, the Father's will is known and experienced, and I love this because we are protected by the perfect will, that, but that protection does not mean no pain. Because you will have pain whether you are in the world's ways or the Father's ways. But in the Father's ways... You are comforted in the pain. You are held to where you could be fallen from the, same, uh, from the same distance to the ground as this jar, yet that jar doesn't smash. This one does, that one doesn't. And I, I, when we want it easy, that's a plan from the enemy. When we want a relationship that does not have trouble, that's not, that's not a relationship. It isn't. That is you and your, your computer screen. It is. Some, like, really, pornography is huge in our, our world, but it trains your heart to be satisfied with little interaction necessary. It trains your heart to be satisfied by what you want, not thinking at all about the soul of another. Literally, I want what I want the easy way. 
but we ha- that's not a plan from me. Can I just say that it's not your plan? That is a plan from the enemy, the tempter, which means he won't succeed. You can say no. Time and time again, you can say I will not take the easy way. I am called to suffer for the will of Christ. I'm called to live and be comforted by him. Because even in that, can we all agree, that's not really easy. Right? You're still suffering more than you can ever imagine. You're still in pain. You're still feeling lonely. The same feelings except you don't have a God comforting you. You have an enemy lying to you. I love this, though, because the temptation comes when we are, are, are tempted to overstep God's protection in order to shield ourselves or to make it better for us or to make the timing fit more with me. And when this arises, how do we know that the plans are of the flesh? It's this right now. The Lord will never have you or me compromise our character to force ease. He won't. He won't. The Lord will never have you plan to compromise your character in order to make something easy. And this is the interesting thing. The, the Lord, he puts low. He makes low so that he can rise up, right? He casts us down low, the downtrodden, so that he can raise us up. The enemy does the nasty opposite. He raises up to, up to the highest places, thinking that we are above pain, that we are above the, the, the issues of life, that we can escape it all. And then he calls us to throw ourselves off, to cast down. The enemy knew, if I really get Jesus to do this, the angels aren't going to protect him. He's going to die a sinner's death instead of live a sinless life. I can thwart the will of the Father by getting this child of God to believe that they can have the easy way, that they can get what they want outside of God's will. And it won't happen. It compromises our character in order to force the easy way, and the Lord is like, my way is easy. You just don't think of it that way. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. Come to me. All you who are weak and weary. I know it doesn't seem like it, but literally, I want your heart's desires if you just let me help you with the next step. And that step is easier than you're thinking all of these things. I just, I'm with you in the step. I've got you on the step. Don't compromise character for ease. That's not easy. Sitting down isn't easy. It's not. Stepping is easier. Like, think about it. Sitting down is not easy. You're just going to be stuck there. That's not a good place for your mind. I think we can all agree. Not doing something or sitting in that place of sin, that's, that doesn't feel easy. It's the step-by-step with the Father when he directs it and we say, okay. But the, the plans voiced by the enemy will always paint us a picture of getting what we desire without enduring the pain that we, or hardships we fear. It does. It does. But the truth to consider, all right? So in this place, when I'm like trying to force ease, the Father is the protector. The Father is the protector. The Father is the protector. The Father is, I'm going to consider you. I, this thought, I could get it really quick. I could get what I want really quick. I can make it easy. I could, I could push and force my way. But God, you protect me. Your will is around me. You are for me. You are the protector. 
even in the sorrow, even in the hardship of doing this hard thing, you protect me. And it's infinitely better than me forcing my own way. Infinitely. And so then the last one comes, and this last one, whoo, it got me. The last temptation, verse 8, it says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world, every one of them and their splendor, their glory, their beauty. He beheld it all. And the devil said to him, all of these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And it says, then the devil left him. He fleed. And suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the nastiest of temptations. Like I told you, uh, theologians think that these first two, the enemy appeared to be an angel of light, trying to guide, trying to help. But this is the moment where his ugly face was seen. Can you pick it out? All the other ones, it's do this to better you. This is the one that says, look to me and I will better you. This is the moment when the enemy's face shows himself clear and says, if you, if you do this to me, I can give you a lot. And the difficult thing is how true some of this is. Let me speak. Did you know the enemy has the ability to take the allegiance of man, which is under him, and to force the allegiance to whoever and whatever he wants by bending hearts? This is why Pharaoh's heart was hardened, why the enemy can allow people through fear and desperation to fall to anyone that he desires outside of the hand of the Lord. Now, I need you to understand this. Like, the enemy knows their hearts are mine. I can give their hearts to you, is what he's saying. Their glory is mine because I'm the ruler of this world right now. I can give it to you. But this would be out of um, anger, power, abuse. This would be out of an allegiance that the enemy wants, but the, the, the kingdom of God is above. It is opposite. Is this making sense? Like he can, the enemy says, I can give you this power because you're like, I have it. I have their allegiance. You want it? Worship me and you can lead them through me. Ooh, that's just nasty. But the, the thing that stood out to me, which was insane, uh, what I love about the Old Testament is the enemy knew it, and he tries to mirror it again. Many theologians put this as the moment when uh, the Lord brought Moses to Mount Pisgah and said, look at Canaan. All of this is for you. And now the enemy is brought into a high mountain and said, look at these kingdoms. All of this could be for you. And the enemy is also doing something a little hateful because who in the scenario never got to actually step foot into Cana? Moses, the one being promised by God that things would come. He's literally saying to Jesus, you and I both know in the doubt, you're not going to get it. I have it. It didn't happen for Moses. It won't happen for you unless you submit to me. Like the enemy is using the stories of the Lord against the Lord. Ugh. Like it's nasty. He knows what he's doing to twist us. 
You know how angry the God, the God of your fathers are. If you come to him, he, he stoned people for less than this. Are you sure you want to come to him? I'm going to use these stories against him so that you don't fall on him. And it happens often. The enemy knows what he's doing in this. But it's interesting, though. He oversteps the promises of the Lord. Satan creates this illusion for him. Like, I, I think of, like, mind games. Some of, you, some of you are better at this than others. Some of you just have no um, imagination. It's okay. We'll pray for you. Um, but others, you can create in your mind pictures. And you're like, oh, this kingdom is built. And then you can, like, start. And it's just beautiful colors. And you can just go crazy on the, on the, on the little mind things, right? Like, we all can get there. Uh, the enemy is painting for him this picture of the kingdoms, and he's seeing everything, all the beauty, the splendor of it, but it is void of, again, sorrow. You see the beauty of it without calamities and no cares. You see people wearing crowns that don't have thorns on those crowns. I mean, all of it. He's like, you can have all of this. It's when you start planning of the life that is so pretty and wonderful. You're like, I could have all of this. I could have this if I just work harder, if I just study more, if I just do this, fill in the blank, if I bend down to anything but the Lord, if I give my adoration, my time, my thoughts, my whole self into something, just for, even if it's just for a little bit, but I could have all of that. If you would just worship something other than God, all of it could be for you. Ew, right? This is what he's setting up for him. But the part that got me, I was reading at first Luke's account of this. Luke chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 4, the same temptations. Luke's version of this says this, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and then Satan looks to him and says, to you, Jesus, I will give their glory and all this authority. And it was the first, I guess I don't read Luke very much. Shame on me, I should. But this is the first time that the, the pronoun usage applied on them. I'm going to get nerdy on you. The pronoun usage of the word splendor was on the people, that, that the things, the kingdom. So literally the enemy was saying, their glory I will give to you. And that was the red alert in my heart. I don't need anyone's glory but the Father's. Like, I don't need anyone's beauty but the Father's. I don't need anyone's splendor but the Father's. I don't need that splendor. Like, that was the moment when I was like, ooh, this is not, because the enemy knew, you can have their glory. You can have it. You can have their adoration. I will give it to you. Their splendor. You can have it. But Jesus knew the promise would come from the Father. It's interesting, though. How do you know that this plan, when we think it, isn't from ourselves? It's this the Lord will never have us do anything that grants us something out of the expense of another. That's their glory. That's their glory. I will give you their glory. I love this John chapter 17. It's this beautiful prayer of Jesus. And he says, Father, let your glory come on to me. What you've promised, the glory that I had when we were together. Let it come on to me so that I can give it to them. This is prayer, and I'm praying on their behalf. Not on the behalf of those who don't believe, but on the behalf of those who do believe in me. Can your glory that was with, with us when I was with you, can it come to me? 
Can you glorify your son right now so that your son can glorify your followers? That's what he's... Because let me tell you, glory, beauty, splendor will always be given at the expense of something. That's the, the issue. We don't have it on our own. It has to be given at the expense of something. The way of the cross was, I will die. I will expend myself. I will hurt myself so that my people can have your glory. But the enemy says, if you make this plan, if you just fight for it, then you can have that glory. And we have to realize it's always at the expense of someone else's pain. You might have the glory of that, that power, that authority, that leadership, that thing that you're fighting for. But if it's at the expense of another, if it puts another down, you're taking their beauty. Like this is the abuse, the oppression, the oppression, oppressor, wow, the oppressor knows what he's doing. It's that time when the oppressed become the oppressors. When I do something and it takes from another, the Lord will never have you plan something that takes something else from someone else. Because the Lord says, I want you to walk this plan and know that I will always give you the glory. It will be at my expense. I've died. It's not going to be at the expense of another. Quite literally, if you're going to do something and it's going to be at the expense of your family's time or it's going to be at the expense of their, their, their pain or their hurt or it's going to take something from someone else, you know it's not a plan from your heart. You have to realize this is what the enemy paints. If you just force your way, you can have it and they won't anymore. Isn't that how you want it? You want it? I can give it to you. But Jesus said, that's their glory. And ultimately, it's not the glory that I'm promised. I'm promised my Father's glory. And so that's, a, that's not me. Away with Satan. Away, I will worship the Lord my God and him alone. So when you're in this place, when you're in this place, uh, a thing that I, I love is some of you need to say, that's not my promise. That's not my promise. The enemy says, you could have this if you just fight for it. That's not my promise. My promise is the glory of the Lord, and he's given it. My promise is that he will be with me through everything. My promise is that, that, that he is steadfast, and he loves me, and I'm redeemed, and I'm new. My promise is heaven-bound. My promise is not this. But if you just fought for this and got that, you could have it. That's not my promise. I will not give into that plan. I'm not promised that. You're not promised tomorrow. So stop planning it. Literally, Jesus says, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow has worries about it. Do not plan for something you're not promised for. Be careful about some of your plans for the future. That's not my promise. I'm not promised that. So I will make promises, and I will do, I will live by that, which the Lord has given so the truth to consider, it's the Father who promises things and proves his ways. So I, to, the, to the enemy, I will not bow down to that. I worship him alone because he has spoken this, and I will do it. I will consider him alone. And I know that's a lot to chew. But as we end, as we end, I'm going to invite the band up. As we end, what do you need to consider today? Consider him who endured much and spoke, hey, the Father, he protects. Some of you need to believe the Father is who protects you. Others of you, the Father, he is the one who provides. I will not keep planning this anymore. I will consider he is the one who provides. 
And others of you, the father, he, that's not my promise. I need to stop saying it is. I need to stop thinking it is. The father is the one who promises. The father is. So I'm going to pray. We're going to have a time of communion, and then we're going to end the service. Uh, God, in this place right now, I just pray that your mighty name would be seen. In fact, I'm going to invite the prayer team to be present. If anyone needs to pray through things, God, I feel a weight in the room of people who carry their own protection. They carry themselves like they have to have it all understood. But Lord, I just pray a release. They don't have to plan those things. You are their provider. You are their protector. You are the promise maker and the promise keeper. So Father, may we consider you in all things. Jesus, can we consider you in all things? I invite you, if you are in this place and you do not know Jesus, this is an opportunity like every Sunday. If you're outside of the protection of the Lord, he says, come to me, all you who are weak and weary. If you are outside of the promises of the Lord, he says, come to me. If you are outside of the provision of the Lord, he says, come to me. So feel free, pray with people as we worship. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.